But in creating, I think you really have to understand the essence of your idea. So when I first made Mortal Kombat as a movie, and I bet my career on it, once again, there were no hit movies from video games. But I didn't think mm -hmm. I was making a movie from a video game. I thought I was making a movie from the essence of what made that video game great, which was empowerment in my mind. That's what I thought. Yeah. And once I knew that, I could then say, well, wait a minute, it's not just a video game. It's a whole story. It's a whole world. And we're, I think we're on our 20th Mortal Kombat production now or something. So, wow. So... So the first thing you have to do is understand the essence of your idea. You know, the essence of, of Star um, Starbucks wasn't coffee. It was a place to go and meet because the United States didn't have coffee houses in those days. Yep. So you have to understand the essence of your idea. And then one of the things you most have to do once you get that is you have to hang on for dear life and never let it go because that same current of the river of life is going to try and pull you away from your idea. Hey, guys, I wanted to take a moment to personally invite you to join me March 2024 right here in beautiful Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm going to be speaking at the Conscious Investor Growth Summit. It is going to be an awesome event, and I have the honor of speaking alongside over 20 speakers on health, wealth, and mindset. This event is surely going to be pivotal for not only your year, but also your life. It would mean the world to me to connect with you, so make sure that you grab your ticket today at Conscious Investor Growth Summit. Dot com. And if you use my name, E-R-I-K, you're going to get 50% off at checkout. I hope to see you there. Keep changing the world. Larry, you're the chairman and CEO of Threshold Entertainment. You've been in the producer or executive producer for all Mortal Kombat media, True Lies, Terminator 2, over 250 featured films like Dirty Dancing, Platoon, and so many more. Your brand new book, a touch of the madness, how to be more innovative in work and life by playing a little or by being a little crazy is out right now. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to be here. I, I like to kick things off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? I grew up in Boston. I had okay. uh, one uh, great older brother and a wonderfully supportive parents who, when I announced at the age of about 10, I was going to go to LA and be a movie producer when I grew up. Oh, nice. <laughs> not, not wealthy and there were no connections. We were incredibly supportive. And I just sort of planned my entire childhood around figuring out how to do that. And that's Come what, on. That's what happened, seriously. And, but they were great about it. They were so supportive. Love that. It, and, you know, that move was probably scary for you. But, like, what was that first big scary thing that you had to do that got you on the path that you're on today? Well, when I, when I was a little kid, my, my, my father dreamed that he'd see a James Bond movie. And we walked out of the movie okay. and I said, James Bond. But I also, what, what's that guy who said, you know, produced by? What does that guy do? My father explained it and that was it. And I said, I'm going to be, okay. I got to be a movie producer. But um, we had no, you know, my parents weren't rich. We had no way of figuring out how to do this. But in Boston is the oldest high school in the country called Boston Latin School. And if you take okay. a test and get in, you can go for free. And so oh, wow. it was like a Benjamin Franklin went there. I mean, it was like going to school in the 1800s. It was terrible, wow. but they had a great track record of getting into a good college. And I figured the only way I'm going to get to Hollywood is if I get to good colleges, I can meet people. And if I meet people somehow, somewhere in an internship, something, I'll get, I'll get a job. And that's what it did. Latin school helped me get into Cornell and Cornell into Wharton. And I took a million internships. And from my, I got an internship at HBO at Wharton. And from that, I got a great first job um, out of school. So I was incredibly lucky. And, wow. and, my, first, and my first job was um, head of production for a company called Vestron, which was an independent studio that sprang up in the 80s to take advantage of the boom in home video. So in those days, okay. the boom in home no home video stores and there were home video stores. They, they needed stuff for their shelves. They needed movies just like streamers today. All of a sudden need movies like a content gold sure. rush. And my job as head of production and acquisitions for this new company was to make 80 movies a year, buy them, make them, co-produce them. Just don't lose money. 
So I mean, we made low budget horror movies and kind of action movies with these stars and rom-coms, you know, all kind of low budget movies. And then we got a script for a movie called Platoon, which was not like that. Platoon was right. a serious movie about the Vietnam War and the effect it had on kids in it. And by a director who we had worked with once before named Oliver Stone, who I thought was great, but his previous movie wasn't a hit, although I thought it was brilliant. And people in, in who were going to be in Platoon were also became famous, but weren't famous. It was not the kind of movie we made. And my boss, yeah. great entrepreneur said, listen, you're head of production. You can decide, but there's always a, but if it fails, you're fired. What do you want to do? <laughs> and he fired me all the time. So I thought, well, I didn't get into the movie business to play it safe. So I greenlit platoon. When I first when I saw the first cut of it, the only person to giggle his way through platoon, cause not cause it was bad because it was so good. I kept thinking, oh my God, am I getting fired? And it was so good. Um, it won best picture that year. And a few wow. months later, I ran into the director at a bar in New York and bought me a drink. And he said, you know, kid, I always liked you. You have a touch of the madness. And I thought, a touch of the madness? Is he, am I crazy? Is he calling me crazy? But then it occurred to me, well, my boss had a touch of the madness by letting a 25 year old kid run a, you know, an 80 picture film slate. Yeah. Um, uh, Oliver had a touch of the madness, the director, by insisting on making a Vietnam movie when no one else did. And I had a touch of the madness by betting the greatest job in the world on it. So that's when it occurred to me. This is what I need. This is how great movies get made. This is how great anything gets made with innovation. And I've come to think that's important because I believe the current of the river of life will always draw you towards the middle. And mm. that's okay, but in the middle, if you want to innovate, you can't be great. Your audience, your customers, they want the new and the different. And the best way to swim against that current is by embracing your crazy wild side that says, you know what, I'd love to do this, but no buts, do it. And so that's been my touchstone uh, ever since and how I make movies, how I cast, how I live my life. But the thing that's, that I noticed in the last few years is more than I've ever seen, not just in my business, in every business, people are reticent to go for that crazy idea. They're, they're scared. They're, well, what if I could judge? What if I could cancel? What if my name and husband, brother, father, mother, sister, daughter, boss doesn't like it? And so I wrote the book to try and encourage and inspire people to give in and embrace their madness and go for that idea that they really want to do. I think that is just amazing and absolutely a touch of the madness. It's so good. And I mean, I'm excited to read this book. I, I'm going to place my order actually today. I just found out about this book just yesterday. So I'm like, oh man, I got to go in and hold this book. So good. Um, I'm so excited. And, and I was going to ask you about like where that title came from, but this is, it makes sense now that you've been doing this for so long, man, for folks that are kind of feeling that hesitancy about like, you know, being themselves and having fun, like in kind of stepping into their purpose, they're like, what, what tips do you give them at that point? Well, I think there are three steps to doing this and I call them create, ask, play or cap. And by the way, my book is just fun stories. There's no lecturing, there's no PowerPoint, but, but in creating, I think you really have to understand the essence of your idea. So when I first made Mortal Kombat as a movie and I bet my career on it, once again, there were no hit movies from video games, but I didn't think mm -hmm. I was making a movie from a video game. I thought I was making a movie from the essence of what made that video game great, which was empowerment in my mind. That's what I thought. Yeah. And once I knew that, I could then say, well, wait a minute, it's not just a video game. It's a whole story. It's a whole world. And we're, I think we're on our 20th Mortal Kombat production now or something. So, wow. so, so the first thing you have to do is understand the essence of your idea. You know, the essence of, of Star, um, Starbucks wasn't coffee. It was a place to go and meet because the United States didn't have coffee houses in those days. Yep. So you have to understand the essence of your idea. And then one of the things you most have to do once you get that is you have to hang on for dear life and never let it go because that same current of the river of life is going to try and pull you away from your idea. So when we did uh, Dirty Dancing, 
you know, it was a movie that another studio had started and stopped. It was a little in trouble. And we managed to lure this wonderful uh, two guys named Jimmy Einer and Michael Lloyd, music and producing geniuses to come and oversee the movie. And the first thing they did, they got a hold of the song Time of My Life, which had already been recorded, but as a high falsetto disco song. And they said, no, 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 oh, we got to okay. re-record it. And they re-recorded <laughs> it with these Bill Melly from the Righteous Brothers. And they sent it out to everyone, you know, the, the talent management, the director of the movie, the record company, no one liked the song. And they all said, no, 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 you, got to, you guys got to change this, you got to change that. And Jimmy and Michael were really gracious. And they said, sure, no problem. We'll make the changes, just give us a little time. A few weeks later, they sent out version two and they said, we made everyone's changes. And we showed it to radio stations because radio stations in those days helped promote out. Everyone sure. loved it. Just they came back and said, thank you so much for doing this. It's so different, it's so helpful now, this is really great. So the question is, what brilliant thing did Jimmy and Michael do between version one and version two? And the answer is, Nothing. They didn't do a thing. Mm. They didn't change anything. They just changed the label to say version two. And they doubled down <laughs> and they sent the radio stations, meaning they sent it to the public. So they knew what they had. And in spite of everybody telling them, you got it, you got it, you got it, they didn't. And that song won a Grammy and an Oscar that year because wow. they hung on to the idea. So the first thing you got to do is that. You got to create your idea and understand it. And so, and, and then you got to hang on. The second thing is called yeah. ask. Ask, 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 ask. Ask anybody anything in pursuit of now your goal, in pursuit of mm-hmm. making your idea reality. And this is the one that is sort of the easiest, but the hardest for people. So I would ask you and your listeners, if you could call anyone in the world right now who is alive, who is a real person, and ask them something, who would you call and what would you ask? Most people kindly say that's a great question, but they don't have an answer right away because it doesn't occur to them that they can do it. But you can right. do it. So mm-hmm. during the pandemic, we made an animated movie called Bobbleheads with Universal. And we wanted Cher, you know, the famous Cher to be in it. And use her likeness as Bobblehead Cher. But she'd yeah. never done an animated movie. Again, everyone said, there's no way. So we called and blah, blah, blah. And she did the movie and she was great. And when the movie came out, People Magazine said, Cher, you've never done an animated movie before. Why did you do this one? And she said, I've never done an animated movie before because no one ever asked me before. Mm-hmm. So if you can, until we did. And so if you can imagine that one of the most famous women on earth is sitting there and no one asked her in your life who might there be that you're not calling because you think oh they're, they're going to say no someone's asked them and maybe, maybe Cher didn't so maybe not so i encourage people figure out who you want to call in pursuit of your goal and call them and start small maybe you don't call someone as famous as Cher first but maybe you call <laughs> uncle you know frank and ask him where he's been the last three years i mean wh- whatever it is it's yeah. a way to exercise that muscle and then the third mm. thing is play Play, 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 play. I think you have to try and live your life in a state of play because you'll be more creative, you'll be more open, you'll be more relaxed. And there's so many times we in our work lives, even in our, our personal lives think, well, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I take my dog for a walk this afternoon? Why didn't I, why didn't I, I mean, I, you know, we were in Southern Thailand shooting out Mortal Kombat and we needed a boat and, and the islands we were in did not have a boat stable enough for the cameras. And a few hours away was this great resort called the Amanpuri and they had a yacht. And so I thought, oh, we'll get the Amanpuri yacht. And I figured out how to do it all within our budget. And we needed the shot. But when I first got on the yacht, I thought, can I do this? Can I be on the yacht? I mean, this is my job. And then I thought, well, why can't I have fun? We got a great shot. Yeah. It was all within budget. And the crew worked harder because it was so fun. And we got new mm-hmm. ideas because everyone was so relaxed. So create as play is how you foster a touch of the madness. Oh, so good. So good. I, I, hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. 
Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couple's massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo brows and plasma tightening services. Oh, I love that. And, you know, and I coach people on how to, like, start podcasts, and, and I've been blessed to speak with some really, you know, I would say fairly big entrepreneurs out there, including our good friend, Greg Reed. And right. it was one of those things where I, I saw Greg in the clubhouse app way back in the day. And I said, you know what? I bet no one has asked that guy if they, if he would be on their podcast. And I just reached out to him, sent him a video myself, just said, Hey, Greg, I'm a newer podcaster. I'd love to talk with you about your story. And sure enough, that opened up so many relationships off that one ask, including me going down to his house twice and introducing me to so many people like yourself. And I just tell people like, look, if you want someone on your podcast or if you want to do something, you just got to ask. Like you said, I love that, man. People just need to find the courage to go do that. Yeah, they got it. And, and so I challenge everyone who's listening, figure out your person and call yeah. them, email them, text yeah. them, DM them. There's so many ways to get in touch with people today. Oh, absolutely. So good. Uh, you know, you've made so many like innovations in films. And one of the things that I was reading about, like you and you kind of like you worked with the Michael Jackson's thriller home video. You talked about home video there. Like how did your experience in the film industry approach, or, you know, how did you approach your experience in the home uh, film industry and entertainment to like transfer that over to storytelling in the book? So I think with any, I, we've, done a, we've been fortunate in a lot of things at the nexus of technology and entertainment. And I feel strongly that technology is great if it helps you achieve a goal. So in yeah. other words, um, we want, we make theme park rides too. And we wanted to make a theme park ride where a long time, this was a long time ago, where the, the camera, but 3D, stereoscopic 3D camera would move inside a Borg cube. Borg cubes are where the bad guys in Star Wars and Star Trek live. Gotcha. Something. Yeah. And, um, and in those days, in the early days of, of, of 3D, for most of it, the cameras never moved. They were stationary because the t technologically, long story, they couldn't. But we wanted to. So we had an idea. We sold it to Paramount. They said yes. But we didn't have the camera. So then mm -hmm. but we thought we could invent it. And working with another company, we invented it. And then it was the first ever 3D um, moving or Steadicam shot. And it helped start the whole world of, of 3D of filmmaking. But then a very similar, very close to that afterwards, a, a studio came to see us and they said, we're starting a 3D network. So can you give us content? And we said, sure. What do you want? And they said, we don't know. We said, well, what's your channel? They said, we don't know. They said, well, why are you doing this? And they said, it's the hot thing. They were gone in six months. <laughs> That's not the reason to do it. So if you say, I have an idea, I have a story to tell in my case, I have a bakery to build in someone else's case or whatever. I have a podcast to do in someone else's case yeah. and I need technology to do it fantastic it'll work if you're just jumping on the bandwagon like everyone else eh, i don't think it works a lot so that's yeah. how i look at it so so i've always used technology in pursuit of telling my stories i've never mm. thought oh this gizmo exists let me think up a story around this technology i've never done that i've done the opposite right. i is the story is there some way i can invent how to tell it yeah Man, I love that. And AI is one of those things that I think a lot of people are still kind of scared to, to jump into or to utilize when it comes to business and storytelling, you know, and people, I think, just need to accept it, really take advantage of it. But like, what are your thoughts on AI and how are you utilizing AI in your current ventures? 
I give a talk called AI. There's a lot of opportunity before the machines take over. So I yeah. think <laughs> I, I, I think for the movie business, AI is fantastic. You know, it's always yeah. so strange. Years ago, when we worked on Terminator Two, we would talk about this stuff, but in the context of fiction. And now the same yes. conversations are had in reality. But you can't stop the onslaught of a new technology, so it's coming. So you better, you know, it, it's you better learn how to deal with it because it's it's here. For the film business, it's fantastic because mm. all, what AI will do for film is enable us to do things that we're already working on just faster and better and cheaper. For example, yep. one of the, I think one of the huge um, components of it will be technology is, is sort of already here, but coming in a second, which will enable the computer to change the lips of any actor into the language that actor is dubbed into. So if we dub you in Spanish, now it looks bad, but the AI can make your lips say the words you're being dubbed into. So now wow. you never watch one of those foreign films where you go, ah, oh, yeah, hard to watch. That's just going to make better storytelling. Yeah. So I think there's so many interesting things AI can do for the film business, which helps storytelling. The same way when we did morphing, it helps storytelling or stereoscopic 3D Steadicams help storytelling and so forth. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. as can be, and that's how we're using it. We're using it uh, uh, on a lot of our, uh, you know, these international co-productions we're doing. Because we used to have a big, yeah. you know, in international co-productions, if we do a movie in India, is the movie in, in Hindi dubbed in English or in English dubbed in Hindi? Now, it won't matter. Right. Man, it's so huge. And I even utilize it a lot in podcasting, the way that I'm doing editing I mean, saves me a ton of time. Uh, so I use a platform called video.ai where I actually just will take this recording that we're doing today and it will download it into a nine by 16 version for YouTube shorts or whatnot. And I'll upload that full version to video.ai and then that'll cut it into 15 up to one minute shorts with templates and, and captions and all of that on there. And I just use that as release of shorts and reels. And then it also gives me the timestamp that I want to pull that trailer on the full version out and then go drop it in the front of my show when it's released. And man, AI has just been a game changer for me as a podcaster. I think that's fantastic. It's been, it's been fun for sure. You know, throughout your journey of being in the entertainment industry and, and working with people there, what would you say is the, the greatest lesson that you've learned throughout this journey so far? Well, I, th I think there are two. One is embrace your madness, embrace that crazy idea. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm at the point in my career now where if I pitch a movie and someone says, oh, that's a great idea, I get a little nervous. But if someone says, oh, you're crazy, it'll never work. I feel this calm, like, like a morning mist on the beach as the touch of the mats envelops me. And, and so one is that, and two, yeah, I mean, everyone says it, but you just can't give up. You have to keep trying yeah. and trying and trying and trying and trying no matter what. You know, yeah. a great mark of a great champion isn't how you punch, but how you take a punch. You just gotta keep mm. getting up. Yeah, oh, I love that. You know, and I mean, you've got, the, the money, you've got success, all of that. What is it that keeps you going at this point? Like, what does that drive for you right now? Oh, I'm obsessed with the movies I haven't made. It's all I think about. Okay. I mean, we have, <laughs> I love making movies. There's so much yeah. more I want to do. I actually have another book coming out soon, which we'll talk about later, but, but, oh no, there's okay. so many more things I want to do. I mean, I, I, I didn't get into the movie business from being a little kid because I thought of riches. I got into the movie business because I just love the idea of making, putting together movies, telling stories. There's so many stories I want to tell. During the pandemic, you know, we couldn't really work and then we had a strike. We doubled yeah. down. We, we've developed like 20, we have like 20 scripts we're now putting together. You know, wow. so no, I'm, 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 I'm as excited if not more than the first day I started. Come on. I love yes, that. Yes. So yeah. you mentioned there briefly that you've got another book coming out. What's the new book going to be around? 
Well, I know we haven't announced it yet, but it, it's a very different book. It's a book of photography. In my life, I'm a photographer, and it all okay. it all goes to um, it's kind of a wild subject. It's a bit of a touch of the madness, but it all goes to um, elephant charities. All the money goes to elephant charities. That's amazing. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That is yeah. awesome, man. Everyone's already told me I'm crazy for that one. I'll tell you soon. You know, no, but <laughs> already tells me I'm crazy. But yeah. you know, I, this is so much to do. Yeah, yeah. What are you most excited about right now uh, that is coming up that you can share with the folks? So our next our next movie is an animated movie which we make as well called X Factor in the Jungle. It's based on Simon Cowell's hit show The X Factor, and in okay. the X Factor in the Jungle, jungle animals find a discarded karaoke machine. And they use it to start their own version of the show where for the first time, jungle disputes won't be solved by violence, but they'll be solved by music. So it's a big, <laughs> fun musical comedy with Simon Cowell and, and, uh, and a bunch of great people. And so that's the next one. So we're really excited. Oh, about this. Kirk Wise is directing it. Kirk directed Beauty and the Beast. We've just got a, uh, Sean Derrick was an Emmy for Batman wrote it. We've just got a phenomenal group of people. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I love to finish the show off with a fun question. Like, I'm a big music guy. Like, what type of music do you like to listen to? Is there a certain band that's your favorite band? You know, I listen to a ton of different eclectic music, and I'm always looking for, for new things that I can put in movies. I'm going to think, well, what's a new sound I can do? And I'm always calling our music supervisor, Michael Lloyd, and saying, what can we do here that's different? What can we do here? Um, yeah. we're, we're doing we're doing a movie that takes place on the Silk Road, the old trade route between China and, uh, and, um, and Istanbul and, you know, 1500 years ago. And we actually found there's some sheet music they found from the year, I think 500 or 700 AD. Wow. And there's a few people who can translate it. So we're like, you know, we can take that and translate that into the score for the movie. So I, I, I always, I always do that. I'm, I'm personally partial to just tons of stuff. I think yeah. my favorite band always is Guns N' Roses, but you know, I did a Guns N' Roses music video for Terminator two years ago, and it was a great experience. I just, yeah. I, I have very eclectic taste, and I listen to every, everything. I think Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift are great. I mean, I'm like a 16 year old girl that way, but I, I just, I, I, but I'm always thinking, what can we put in a movie that's different? And I drive my incredibly yeah. talented music compadres in my movies crazy all the time. For sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, to be at the, your level of success or really anybody to be successful, they've got to have these set of non-negotiables or these standards there. Like for you, what are those non-negotiables when you're approaching a new project? You know, I honestly don't have that. I, 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 okay. I think to myself, this is the, you know, like create my, grab me idea. This is the movie I want to make. How can yeah. I get this made? And my non-negotiables are when someone negotiates for something that will then hurt the movie. So if someone mm -hmm. says, well, I, we can make the movie you want, but I want $10 more, blah, blah, blah. I usually can deal with that. If they can say, well, we don't, let, let's, let's do the whole movie in another country. And I'm like, no, it, it's shooting here. Yeah. So, so yeah. the non-negotiables are really what makes the movie no longer the movie I set out to make. And then I just, yeah. because then it's not Come the on. movie. What am I doing? So I'm, I'm very open to all kinds of things as long as we can do that. I was just in Petra and Jordan. Uh, which is an amazing place in Jordan where I've shot before, where we're shooting a, a, a new movie with great people there. And we say, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we get a helicopter in here? Can they, and it's, they're so great. They're so helpful in Jordan. And they said, of course, of course, of course. So now we can do it. But if they said, no, you can't do any of these things, well, then we get a problem. And then, right. you know, I, I used to settle, but now if I can't make the movie that I'm thinking, I just don't make the movie. I mean, I'm not going to mm. make a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> on purpose. Anyway. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. I absolutely love this conversation, Larry. It's been so much fun, man. You're an absolute world changer. And I thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I'm excited to get your book. And man, I think that people do need to implement fun and play and to work and just have fun with life. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.